minutes and then my kiddo stopped and said, um, why do you keep using he, him pronouns? You know I'm a girl. And her friend said, well, you know, I mean, cause you, you know, they're six years old. You used to be a boy, but now you're a girl. And sometimes it's just very confusing for me. And I try, but sometimes it's just very confusing. And my kid said, it's called transgender, get used to it. Remember that time before you were a parent and you thought you knew what you were getting into and that you would just naturally be good at it? I know I did. I thought, sure, I know it isn't all snuggles and giggles. And yeah, I know it's going to be a lot of hard work, but this is part of my wiring. My kids are going to be wonderful and my family's going to be perfect. Okay, so my idealistic vision of what my family was going to be was not very clear, not very defined, full of unachievable, unattainable ideas. But I don't think that anything could have prepared me or any of us for what was really waiting for us in parenthood. You're listening to Camp Wildheart, your guide for raising a transgender child and nurturing an affirming family. I'm your host slash head counselor, Mackenzie Dunham but you can call me Mac. I'm what we in the biz refer to as a parentified child. That's a child that takes on more responsibilities than is appropriate for their age and as a result feels more responsible for the well-being of the people around them, even when they really should just be being a kid. It's no wonder I ended up in this line of work. When I was nine, my dad and my stepmother had a baby. It was a girl. And after longing for one my whole life, I finally had a little sister. Shortly after she was born, we found out that my stepmom had cancer. And part of the fallout of her being sick was that I ended up doing a lot more caretaking of my sister than I should have. A year later, my stepmom died. And at the wise age of 10, I thought, well, I guess I have a baby now. As if my dad didn't exist or something. Obviously, I didn't have a baby. but. The dynamic between my sister and I really was shaped by the role that I played in her life as more of a caregiver than a sister. Even now, we make jokes about it, and she calls me her momster. And that's momster, monster, just to be clear. I remember being up in the middle of the night with her, changing diapers, taking her to the grocery store, reading bedtime stories, teaching her about the most important things in life, like who Leonardo DiCaprio was when we watched Titanic with her, which was also not age-appropriate. Maybe for either of us. I taught her about boys, about periods, about sex. So of course, when it came time for me to have my own kids, I thought I was ready, and that I would know exactly what to do. I don't think I've ever been more wrong about anything in my entire life. I know this is an experience many of us are familiar with, but... I think it might have set me up to think that I was more prepared for becoming a parent than I actually was. Parenting is so much harder than raising a sibling. And every kid is different. So even if you think, oh, I've done this before, you haven't raised that kid. Plus, you've lived more life and have more scars to show for it. The other day, a good friend of mine who's in her 30s was talking about how she's got baby fever. And she really wants to be a mom. And so, of course, being the neurodivergent, awkward therapist person that I am, I said, oh, parenting is the best and it is the hardest. You learn so much about yourself. You're constantly running up against weird emotional reactions that are connected to your experiences as a child. 
often the same age as your kid and you just grow so much. It's the best thing I ever did. Her jaw dropped to the floor and she said, oh my God, nobody ever explained it to me that way. I do not want to do that. That sounds awful. I always forget that I have a very different relationship with my emotions than most people. It took her approximately five minutes to recover from my bald-faced truth, and she still wants to have a baby. So she can't say I didn't warn her. When we sign up to be parents, we don't get to choose the kids we were going to raise. We don't know what personality traits are going to be handed down and what genetic anomalies will unfold. We just know we're going to love them, and there are no trade-ins. We get hit with all kinds of unexpected adventures, like feeding difficulties and tongue ties and ADHD and autism to dyslexia, Down syndrome, major medical issues and gender identities, just to name a few. We never know for sure what we're going to get. And certainly nobody has handed us a roadmap, trail guide or manual for our kid or how to navigate all of the challenges or, therapist reframe, opportunities for growth that their existence in our lives will bring. Today's episode is a parent story. We'll hear from Mama Bear Catherine and how she and her family navigated her child's coming out and transition and how different her experience was from one kiddo to the next. Catherine is Asian American, middle class, and married to a cisgender man. She has two children and lives in the Pacific Northwest. As a reminder, all campfire stories shared by families are done so with the full consent of the child. Names and identities are changed to whatever extent the family requests in order to protect their privacy. Families also have the ability to request changes to the episode before it airs and can request it to be removed from public streaming at any time. If you're new to camp, I highly recommend going back to Season 1, Episode 1 and starting from there. This episode will be here for you when you get here. And if you're like me or a lot of the other families that listen to this podcast, you'll probably just binge right through the whole show and you'll be back here before you. And now without further ado... Enjoy my interview with Kat. As you know, going into this, it, it, it feels quite lonely, you know? Um, I've often said, you know how people always say, parenting, there's no manual for it. Well, when this started, I was like, guess what? There is a manual for parenting. It's all the other parents. But this <laughs> doesn't feel like there's a manual for it. And I feel felt, I mean, at the beginning, especially, but still, especially with the pandemic, because we haven't really had a chance to really, um, you know, network and meet people. We are on um, a support group, you know, trans families, which is amazing, but it's all online and that's not great, you know. It's not the same as being able to call your girlfriend and say, hey, is your kid doing this? Because my kid's doing this. Yeah, exactly. And for her to be like, oh, yeah, we've been doing that now for like three months. It's the worst. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, And he, if your girlfriend's kid isn't trans, then you're like, do I ask this to? Yeah. I ask nobody. I also feel like I would love to meet more people because the the other thing is, is that there are so many folks that the story is very different. And so I don't want to feel like I'm forced into friendships because we have this one common denominator. I would like a few common denominators, you know? So like, yeah. Um, I did meet one person kind of serendipitously. They uh, were in like the online support group on trans families. And then 
um, like a month later, I was at a bookstore in a town that neither one of us were supposed to be in. And I happened to mention it to the cashier because I was picking up all these books and I said something. I was like, yeah, my six-year-old, you know. And then this person turned around and she was like, we're going through that too. And then we started <laughs> to connect that way. And it was really cool. But again, they have three children. Their life is a little bit different than ours. We only have the one child at home and we don't live in the same town. So it was like serendipity. But then we've also had a really hard time actually connecting. And the kids haven't met either because their child is... Um, quite closeted and like identifies as a girl and ours does as well but she's also a proud transgender girl that's part of her identity she doesn't out and out go and talk about it but she does want to be involved and she has her you know like trans aunties that's what we call them you know anytime we're watching like recently she wanted to learn how to twerk, which neither one of us are very good at twerking. So I will not be <laughs> sharing any videos of that. But um, she, you know, so I was like, well, of course there's a million videos on how to twerk. But instead we looked up Big Frida, you know, because I'm like, she's one of your trans auntie, aunties, you know. Whereas this kiddo doesn't want to go to, you know, trans pride and stuff like that. And so there is a, bit of a different Sarah and it's I think very that, different mm -hmm. yeah um but I'm not saying either or because it's just such a difficult thing and you're really just trying to listen like I think that we had an idea at the beginning we're not gonna um be stealth we're gonna be a pr out and proud family but that comes with all this other stuff you know fear and safety and so I think as we've evolved, we've been thinking more, we've been following her lead, you know, like if she says it, like the first week of kindergarten, she would be like, um, did you know I was born a boy <laughs> to everybody? <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Were you born a boy or a girl? <laughs> yeah. And like, I was afraid to tell folks because we were quite new to this area. So like I hadn't met, I mean, anybody we met just knew her as a girl. And so it was, so then we had to do the thing where we'd have to tell people, you know, specifically. But our kiddo is like spreading the word, you know, and we're just trying to catch up. But this year she's in first grade and she's not been spreading the word as openly, but I think she's still... I think she's still good in that department. Like on the first day of kindergarten or first grade, it was like, tell me about yourself. She said, I'm transgender and I love Legos. <laughs> so, <laughs> Those like, are awesome. Thumbs it up, I guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's me in a nutshell. I'm trans. I like Legos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She sounds really, really, really fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and personable and like engaging and yes uh yeah she's a highly emotional individual which i'm not great with i am not a or actually just just kidding i am a super highly emotional individual <laughs> <laughs> but i'm also of a certain generation that it's taken me a lot to get to a point to even 
talk about true feelings, you know, and also I'm kind of a shut it down type of person, you know, mm. where like if, when the emotions pop up, we're like, let's just yeah, shut it down. zip it up. Yeah. It and there's that old adage of like, well, my folks didn't, you know, go to therapy or read books. So why should we, you know, there's sometimes as you know, as a parent, there's that sense of overwhelm where the immediate reaction is just like, stop it. <laughs> like, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think um, we are approaching a time where they're starting to talk to us about ADHD. And then also learning from your podcast that um, oftentimes things go hand in hand or like overlapping or running parallel and I do see some of that. And I was kind of cracking up because we just interviewed to um, see this therapist who's going to do play therapy um, with her. And then every other week is play therapy with her. And every other week is couples or not couples therapy, but like, like family therapy. Mm -hmm, yep. So we were interviewing with her, just having a little consult. And um, my goal is like, I we really believe that we accept our child, you know, as she is, or we like to encourage, you know, anyway, he's saying this, but then I just found myself laughing and it's like, well, when it comes to gender, but not necessarily <laughs> when it comes <laughs> to your wild ass, like bouncing off, you know, no manners at the table, cannot sit still. Like <laughs> that's when we're like, why can't you be like this or that? So <laughs> I think we've, <laughs> I think in that regards, we've had a difficult time and we, it's almost like I could only handle um, learning one thing at a time. So right now I'm learning how to be a good transgender parent and hopefully soon I'll learn how to be a good parent of a possible ADHD, possible otherwise. You know, I've said it over and over again. I just haven't met a kid who's not neurodivergent in some way who's also trans. I just haven't. That's so interesting. Even the kids that are like... I know. Uh, and I'm really excited for like 10 years from now, we're going to know so much more about like the genetics of this and like how kids are wired. And we just don't even know very much about neurodiversity in general. That's not something that we've studied until recently. And so we're, I mean, there's been studies, but not in the way that we understand it, right? It's all evolving. So I think that when, when your daughter's like in high school, there's going to be this sort of like oh, look at all of this stuff that we lived through that is exactly who you are. Yeah, I believe it. Um, yeah. Especially, so my kiddo is super young. Mm -hmm. um, she's seven now, but she came out to us at five. And I've heard, I feel like I've probably heard from your podcast, but just on this whole, you know, learning journey that we're on about, possibly one of the things about them running hand in hand or sometimes parallel is that um, if you're neurodivergent in certain ways, you might not see things in the same binary that other folks do. And not just talking about gender, but just other things, right? Yeah. All things, maybe. All kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think that's really amazing and interesting if that's true, because... Yeah, I mean, she was so young, and of course, we run up to, well, she's so young, how does she know? And it was like, mm -mm, she knows. <laughs> I mean, 
And we came out of the pandemic. And so it came out yeah. of the most innocent, you know, way. Like it wasn't, if there's anybody who would say you're, you've pushed this on them or they were influenced or whatever. I mean, yeah, it just came out of the most innocent place of just coming from the heart, you know. It's wowed us watching this unfold. Yeah, I'm super curious about the your experience having her in a pandemic and I'm so a lot of kids have come out during the pandemic. This is and like people are like, What is happening? That all the kids are coming out as trans. I'm like, they were alone with their thoughts for two years, getting to be whoever they wanted to be in the privacy of their own home. They didn't have to conform. They didn't get bullied the same way for like their little gender quirks. They just got to be who they were. And so then they're coming back out and like coming into the world and they're like, oh, you want to put me in that box? I'm not going in there. Mm -mm. No, hard pass. I love it. And it's great. It's a really interesting process for a lot of people right now and the, the safety of their homes. And I think kids, particularly young kids, right? Like, um, especially trans girls, right? They get all of this like toxic masculinity pushed on them at such a young age by society. And one of the biggest gifts I think about neurodivergent kids is that like, they, they just are sort of oblivious to that <laughs> Like, they're just sort of like, I just totally missed all the social norms here. Um, and so in some ways, I'm like super weird. But in other ways, I'm super free, you know? And I just think it's the greatest. I think it's the greatest. It's one of my favorite things. I just think that there's so much that trans kids, the concept of gender just doesn't even make sense in some ways. Right. Like even the idea of like, OK, so I like all of this stuff. This feels like who I am. So I guess I'm I guess I'm a girl. Um, but really, like, I still just want to be myself and whatever that looks like or means. But this is the box that I guess fits the best. Yeah. I think that we've um, as like Gen X affiliated folks you know i mean it's interesting because i think that we had rally cries for so many things but then suddenly i feel old-fashioned you know when it comes to the whole <laughs> right yeah uh-huh. like they them i can't do that that doesn't you know i hear it all the time and i was like let's go back to like our youth days and remember what we were like and then they're like oh yeah Okay. Burn it all down. Uh-huh. We were a lot more flexible and a lot more pushy on these different things. And then the kids push stuff on us. We're like, hold mm -hmm. on. I'm the one that's like the radical here. Yeah. Why do I feel now like I am the most conservative human on the planet? <laughs> uh, that has happened to many parents. They're like, I was so liberal. And then my kid came out and I was like, maybe I'm not as liberal as I thought I was. Totally. Yeah. And I think um, so... With ours, I, you know, we do this thing where we're kind of questioning it in our head, not to her, but yeah, I'm not afraid to admit, like, this has come with a lot of questions. And especially at the beginning, but even now, you know, we're a year and a half in. So even now, I st still, you know, sometimes I'll say she. But underneath it, in my brain, there's a, a heat, right? Like, my 
I'm constantly feeling this. And sometimes I'll look at her and go, you know, what's going on in there? I think that's the one. I think there's so many benefits with the younger child, like ha having this truth. But the one downside is it, it's really hard to know what is going on in there. Not that you would ever know, but she's so young that expressing emotions or expressing what's going on is just not there yet, right? I mean, she can tell us very simple things, but otherwise talking about her feelings per se or trying to verbalize what's happening is kind of just not there yet. And then if you add to that the layer of that she might be neurodivergent in some way, like she may not, even the information she's gotten about emotions may not make sense to her. True. Um, because they don't live in her body in the same way that they do for like neurotypical people. Which I wouldn't actually know because I honestly, quite possibly, I'm also <laughs> neurodivergent. <laughs> they usually are not alone and they're... <laughs> There's, there's a genetic component for sure. Well, my older daughter, so I have an older daughter. I was this, um, I was a teen mom. I had my first child when I was 18. I got pregnant when I was 17 and had her when I was 18. And they were born 18 years apart. And right before my older daughter turned 18, I mean, a month before we found out that I was pregnant. And so, so anyway... I always kind of joked around. They look very similar. They act very similar. And I've always kind of joked around like, oh, I'm just doing this two-person social experiment to see what happens when you have two children <laughs> 18 years apart, you know? One being a girl. And then, of course, the first four or five years being a boy. And I was like, they're exactly the same. There's no such thing as gender. Gender is a construct, you know, because I'm like, I am showing you I've done this small scale social experiment on my own. <laughs> right. <laughs> to show you because my older, you know, like awesome tree climber, super into Spider-Man, like rode bikes faster than everybody was, but was also, you know, karaoke queen and like the plastic heels and sequence dresses. Anyway, and then my younger is exactly the same. Well, then you have, but then, like I said, one was, a, I just say BOI. I don't know how else to, That's you fine. know. A really helpful term. This is great for parents in general to just like know, because I said this to a parent the other day that I assumed knew and they did not. Um, so I say AMAB or AFAB, and that just is assigned male at birth or assigned female at birth. Um, and that way we can just be like, well, you know, they were assigned male at birth. And that's all we got to know. Yeah, we do that too. But I think in this context, it's kind of like, at the time I was thinking, oh, we have this boy, you know, before uh -huh. we have this boy, but he acts ex exactly like my girl did. And so then I was saying, I guess, you know, we're just really good at raising gender fluid children. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You right, know, right. and in fact, interestingly, I think because... I was, you know, I'm in the Seattle area. And so, you know, it's very progressive here or whatever, uh -huh. whatever. Yeah. We like to think so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not that I was trying to defy the norms, but I was trying to be an equal opportunity provider of like provider of toys, provider of clothes. Like you get to choose these things on your own. 
Um, but ironically, I think that was what caused me to miss the mark a little bit when she was showing us that she's a girl because I would say, okay, we're going to a party and you want to wear a dress and put on lipstick. That's fine. Cool. I have this boy that's so ahead of his game, you know? (laughs) Right. I just think that it kind of, ironically, I missed the mark because of that. And then now I look back and I think, oh, okay, she was sending us signs in a lot of ways. Um, And I've learned so much from you and from other resources about children possibly recognizing gender at, you know, three, two, three, four years old. And I think that was absolutely her they do. They start to really sort of, I mean, it's meaning making and they're making sense of the world. And as they get taught certain things, they're like, okay, that goes in this category. This is how this works. This is how these things fit together. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Right. And then the, but that gender, the gender stuff, they're like, this is taking me a little while to figure out why does, why we treat people differently in these different ways. And, and then you said at five, she, she came out. How did she come out to you? What did she do? Well, again, she was sending us signs and the signal was getting like stronger and stronger, right? As time passed. So say around four and a half or sorry, five and a half. She started making comments that were, you know, just very simple. Like I use the girl's bathroom because I'm a girl type of thing, which Mm -hmm. (laughs) I heard her talking to her friend. She would say, when I grow up, I'll be a woman, but that's okay. We'll still be best friends, you know, just really cute comments but then the more serious one that I can remember was she said mommy why do I use the girls bathroom or the women's bathroom and I and I thought like just because she's with me I don't know that was my uh, but I said well why do you think you do thinking she would say well because I'm always with you (laughs) and she said oh because I'm a girl and when I grow up I'll be a woman and I said huh is that, you know, is that what you think will happen? She's like, yeah. I said, that's cool. And then the summer started to happen and we started hearing from other folks that she was kind of planting seeds. So like she went to a little camp. We found out from them that she was using the girl's bathroom and she said, I'm a girl. So she was really planting these seeds and advocating for herself, yeah. which is amazing to think about. But yeah. <laughs> but she really started to push a little bit more. And so then we started having more conversations, my husband and I, and we could see her advocating for herself. Like if somebody would say like, hey, little buddy, or hey, kiddo, you're so handsome or whatever, we would see her stand up. And this was even before we were fully in it. And she would say, "Um, excuse me, I'm a girl, you know. And then the Day before kindergarten. Oh, no, no. Kindergarten started on a Monday. Saturday evening, she said to me, Mommy, I have been telling you I am a girl and I don't have any dresses and I'm starting school on Monday and I want to start school as a girl. And I was like, okay, done. But it was very, very clear. In fact, just replaying that conversation in my head, It was this just moment of clarity and she just had to drive it in. But she's almost not that person. It's almost like watching an out-of-body experience because she's not a very serious person or like, 
like I said, she's not really a pusher, but she just laid it down. And so anyway, I guess she had told the classroom that she was a girl at that time. We just didn't know that. And so the school district was like, great, okay, we'll change. Uh, her kindergarten teacher said, oh, actually, she already told us that. They changed right away, and the school district changed everything right away, and then it was on from there. So logistically, like with school and stuff, we haven't had any problems, and I feel very lucky about that. We live outside of the Seattle area, so you know how it is with urban areas. You'd never know, even in urban blue zones. You just, you really don't ever know, because it's really dependent on, like, it's not about the community at that point. It's usually just about like who's in charge, who's the administrator, who's the secretary, right? Like the people that your kid are going to interact with might live in a blue community, but Washington people don't realize Washington's pretty purple, actually. So um, deep purple, <laughs> yeah. And they don't. I mean, we get this like big blue state, you know, which the majority of people are pretty liberal but like there's still plenty of conservative people in washington Mm -hmm. um and in urban areas Mm -hmm. yeah and most of them work with kids (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that was fair oh my goodness you hit it on the head of like there are people out there caring for our children who might see them as monsters and it's just fucking scary you know And then the other thing about living in a so-called progressive liberal zone is that sometimes the responses are actually are meant to come off as progressive or free, but they're really actually quite judgmental and or a little backwards. Um, You know, like I've had people say, oh, um, you know, we told our children, but we and we told them you know what, it's okay to be different. We value people and their differences. But I want to be like, like, my child does not see herself as different. She is not different. Please do not other her, you know? And I. (laughs) so there's that response, but then there's also the response of, oh, my kids just, they don't even see gender. And, or like, oh, you know, of course your kid, um, like, I felt like they had to choose gender. Like, they, you know, must have. And it was just like, I don't know. You know, that sounds all fine and good. But come back to me when your kiddo is, you know, going through the puberty in the body that they want to be in. Or when they're dating and not having to worry. I mean, not to be, you know, but there's this these fears within me, you know. And I... Like, listen, I've been on a learning journey, right? And I have to constantly remind myself everybody's on a learning journey. (laughs) But it's just so difficult to not feel protective. And that's fine. But when it comes to this, I mean, I feel like I am just laid out, right? Like, I I just feel splayed out and vulnerable and in trying to protect my kiddo and in envisioning what they're going to go through in the future. Um, In a completely different situation many years ago, one of my relatives was like, I've tried to work with this mantra, which is lead with fear, lead with, sorry, (laughs) lead with love, not with fear, you know? And that was years ago, but I've still, 
or recently I've really had to hold on to that, right? Because I mean, you know, parenting in itself can break you. (laughs) And then life, like we literally have no control over our life, our life's outcome. We have no control over what's going to happen to us or to our children. But we have this, this feeling that we do have control over everything. And I think with this, with this journey that we've been on, we suddenly were like, it became, it was in our face of, guess what? You don't have control over anything. And so we're having to face that in a way that I think other people maybe can get through life not having to think of, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's where I'm coming in of having to constantly remind myself to lead with love, not with fear. One of the things that you, was you were talking about comes with the feeling of being splayed open and being super vulnerable, um, right? Like I often, when I work with families with young kids, and I work, I don't just exclusively work with families of trans kids. I have a small smattering of cisgender kids as well. Um, and I know. Yay, sis. I, don't, I, I don't know. Cool. Um, and so I've got these kiddos who are explaining big behaviors in public places and parents are sort of struggling with the with just parenting in public, right? Like it's one thing to be a parent. It's another thing to be a parent in a public space. Um and I often think like being the parent of a trans kid is like parenting in public with a behavior kid all the time, mm. right? And people around you feeling very entitled to just throwing out their opinion on things um, as people do, like people love to give unsolicited parenting advice anyway, but the comments and the questions that so many parents face by having a trans kid that's just existing is it, it really does like notch up that vulnerability. Like, Oh my gosh, this is just, and with, it's not like with a behavior kid, like a kid who's got like challenging behaviors, you go to the grocery store and some days you have like great grocery store trips. Your kid is never not trans. <laughs> I think it's great to be an out and proud family, but there, like you said, there's, it's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of weight to carry there mm-hmm. as well. But I would imagine that unless they've lived it, they wouldn't understand what it's like. It's very true. Yeah. I think one thing that I've had, uh, you know, as we've co- come out to different families around us, you know, a lot of times people are very accepting. A lot of people do this thing where they act flippant about it. You know, which is fine, but some, especially at the beginning when we would say, this is what we're going through as a family, and so many people would be like, awesome, yay you, we're so proud of you, good for you, congratulations, you know, all of these very positive things. Again, not complain about them. I love that. However, nobody was saying like, how are you doing? (laughs) You know, how is this for you? Or what's it like? Because nobody could really understand it. It felt like just essentially watching a TV show to them, you know. But we, you know, again, we had suddenly in our face really a lot of our shortcomings of, like, 
we always thought we were these awesome allies and advocates. And it turns out we were in word, but not necessarily in action. You know, I mean, it took us having a trans kid to even start questioning the the system around raising trans kids and what is up, what they're up against, you know? And before we would say that or we would... That's a cis privilege. You don't recognize you have it. Yeah, totally. And yeah. I feel like I knew that, you know, I as a, a woman and a, I identify as a person of color and I grew up in poverty. So many things that I have attached myself to because I live those experiences. But I'm once again reminded, if, you know, in my mid 40s, like, again, you can't you can't just be in the situation to have feelings for it like you I have to be a better advocate and a better ally anyway that was one thing that was like wow this again I have a lot to learn <laughs> and I just we're all learning you know I and know. I think that that's so beautiful the way that you just described that too though that like it's hard but also I often think this is one of the best things about having kids. Like I've always said that my kids are my, have been my best teachers about myself and none of those were easy lessons. It's, those are not like, it's hard when your kids are like, mm, you have this, I just want to show you this mirror of you. Um, and you're like, Oh crap. Um, but when you bring up that point though, of like, it's constant, like questioning and relearning and being critical and thinking through things of like, not just how this fits for my family, but how it fits for all families, right? And one, I think that it would be exhausting to walk through the world constantly thinking that all the time. So I think that we should give ourselves some grace around we do the best we can. And in those moments when we do realize and we do recognize, I think those are the, cr the critical moments, right? Like you can either then go, okay, I have some learning to do and I can, I can be a better advocate and ally. Or... You can, be, you can be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to just pretend this isn't happening. Mm -hmm. Or like, I realize the system is broken in this way, but we were able to make it work here. So we don't actually need to work for changing the actual system or, or advocating in that way. Like, because we got we got our need met. So we're good. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like this has brought to me at a time when I've, I, you know, again, in my mid 40s, way more able to receive something like this and go, okay, it's time to get back into, you know, like go back to school essentially. Mm, yeah. Right. I'm thankful that this has brought to me this, a renewed sense of being in this for the community and not just for myself and for my own family. You know, one of the questions that you had asked me was, if I had felt attached to her and to her gender when I was pregnant. And she was a real gift to us. And when I was pregnant, um, you know, we were going to have a boy and we just like everybody else announced <clears throat> that we were going to have a boy. And, and, but we had a very hard time coming up with a name. And it, it took us months and many conversations that I'm sure our friends were so over of us, you know, hashing out names and going over it. Anyway, we finally came up with this name. It's a great name. It literally means the chosen son. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that really 
even though we could say that we're this very kind of gender neutral family or whatever, I think that that really goes to show, you know, what where our headspace was. She's teaching us all these things about gender, you know, that is just like, yeah, who cares? And same with one of our neighbors said that, like, wow, she really has, like, she has a lot to teach all of us. And But we had some family members that essentially kind of held, like, an intervention of wanting to tell us, you know, what was, what their beliefs were, what we were doing wrong. We had this long conversation where they would not use the correct pronouns. And at that point, not only brought heartache, but kind of so, like cognitive dissonance right because at this point we had been using the pronouns and her name and they were not and they were saying you know they used the word damage a lot like you're damaging him quote unquote but the the best thing was is that we had of course I went into this conversation about the bible and we could kind of go back and forth because you can't really fight me on the bible (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) right i got that one down (laughs) yeah you know i have like read the bible front to back you're not telling me anything i don't already know right anything you're telling me i'm not hearing it for the first time so but one thing that i'll tell you about that conversation because i felt like it was not an aha moment but it was like yeah, you know what? This is going to be the ground I stand on when it comes to this and you folks that tell us where they were saying, um, well, first of all, God doesn't make any mistakes, right? And I'm like, agreed. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Totally, 100%. Yep. Yep. I'm right there with you. God does not make mistakes. And he, capital H-E, did not make a mistake with ours. Um, and then they were saying, you know, God, something of, I don't even know why this came up, but of like, God made us in his image. Right. And so I said, because it was my sister and my niece in this conversation. And I said, um, what does that mean to you? Like, what is, what does that mean? God made us in his image. And they was, you know, well, God presented to him, himself to us as a male, you know, a Middle Eastern male, blah, blah, blah. So goofy. Um, and <laughs> so I said, well, just out of curiosity, where does that leave us females? Where does that leave us females, you know? And so then there was kind of this back and forth. And then finally, my sister said, well, um, actually, I guess what we're saying is that we are um in god's image of his spirit not the physical form but his physical form or his spiritual form and i was like well i got to tell you that's so spot on because that is literally what our child is telling us is that she is presenting this this has nothing to do with physical this has everything to do with her inner spiritual form so like perfect are we on the same Thank page you. now <laughs> yeah thanks for bringing it all back we can wrap that up in a nice happy package and go forth with you using her preferred pronouns and name but no that's not actually how it ended we sadly had to end that relationship and it was heartbreaking it's my only sister you know and a niece who I love very much and it's kind of hasn't divided our family per se but we've had to do separate you know family occasions and 
my dad died soon after that. And at the funeral, we literally just acted like we did not know each other. Like we didn't look at each other. Actually, we were worse than if we had, we just wouldn't even make eye contact. And, but I told them in the end, you know, after this long intervention and this long conversation, which was heartbreaking right now, I can come to you and tell you this story in a way of, in a way of like seeming really confident with it, but it was awful. It, It took months for me to dig out of that. But in the end, I mean, we're giving each other a hug and we're both crying. And I said to her, like, this is goodbye, but I'm not coming for you. You have to come for us. Like, that's it. If there's going to be a change of heart, it's got to be on your part, on your part. You can come to us. We're not coming for you. And that was it. And it was freaking awful. <laughs> you allowed to swear? That sounds, you're allowed to swear. It was fucking awful. Have you listened to the, there's the episodes in season one with Carmen. She swears a lot. <laughs> It's fine. Love her. Uh, And a very similar experience where she had to sort of set these very hard, sad boundaries that she did not want to have to deal with. But she was like, I'm not going to betray my kid here. That's not what we're that's not what we're doing. I did hear that interview and I am positive I heard it before we had this talk. And I think if I'm pretty sure. Do you remember when it came out? It was like two years ago, maybe. I think that that one brought me a lot of strength. I'm really glad it's been really helpful to you, truly. That's the, like, I really want there to be a community. Because like you said, like, this is such a lonely journey. If you can't, if you don't have anybody that you really connect with, right? And even just like, oh, you have a trans kid, I have a trans kid. That's not enough to form a friendship. Right. It's like, cool, we can text. But like, I really want somebody who like has the same hobbies and interests as us. And like their kids are into the same things like, oh, you've got a trans kid. I have a trans kid. Cool. But mine's like super into reptiles and yours is super into princesses. So like they aren't really going to play together all that well. So I'm all about the community aspect. I really, really think that it's the most powerful gift that the work at Wild Heart Society. That's what we do where I'm just trying to build community. So I'm thrilled that that's been, um, that the podcast has been helpful. I'm so looking forward to meeting other people with, I mean, like I said, when I have met people, it has been really amazing because even if it's just a lunch that we sit together, it's just so nice to have someone say, oh, oh yeah, okay, that happened to you, that happened to me as well. And we, you know, jive back and forth. And that is very helpful because anybody else, I have a very supportive family and friend group and community, but there is this otherhood, you know, of, um, you know, them saying, oh, I'm sorry you're going through that, but, you know, they're not ever going to go through that. So it's really like, I'm sorry for you from over here, you know? Yeah. It's sympathy. It's not empathy. Yeah. And then one thing I've struggled with, um, this, I guess this is not totally related, but when I speak to other people and then when I hear that they're talking to their spouse or their children or maybe even their other friends about what we're going through, that also makes me kind of really uncomfortable, not just for myself, but for my child of like, 
we don't actually want to be a topic of conversation in your house, you know? Like, we don't yeah. want to be your de facto teachers in this journey, you know? But, but again, also, we don't want to be a topic of conversation. And related to that also is, like, the whole body thing. I realize we're a very po- body-positive family. We, you know talk about bodies we are naked you know we just like talk about all the things yeah but i've realized i don't know how to say this in the correct way because i'm not as experienced as you but i'm all about bodies and talking about bodies but i don't necessarily want people talking about my body (laughs) or like (laughs) my child's body and for a lot of people that's what transgenderism comes down to is that is that body part and it's kind of frustrating to me I think one thing that I've gotten from all this is a better I've been better about kind of standing up about that you know and saying like well it's kind of not your business you know like why is this any of anybody's business talking about our body parts you know Anyway, I would love to hear what you have to say about where is the line in that? Because on one hand, I want to be, you know, super body positive and have freedom around talk of physicality and bodies. But where is where do we stop? Like, I'm not verbalizing that very well. (laughs) No, you're doing great. I think that for, for me, it's like we can talk about bodies in general. But when we start to talk about someone's specific body, that's the line. Got it. Right. Like, right. Like we can talk about bodies, but like, I'm not going to talk about your body or her body or their body because that is none of my business. And when it comes to trans bodies, um, I teach all of my kids and all of my parents um, about when somebody starts to fixate on or like ask questions or anything like it's you can very quickly shut that down by just saying, do you realize you're asking about my child's genitals right now? Mm. So good. And like the, immediately they're like, oh, oh, uh, like, yeah, we don't need to have a conversation about my child's genitals, do we? Is that what's happening? Or if people ask your kid if they've had surgeries like later on or whatever, or if they're going to have surgeries um, or if they're going to go through, you know, like I had, there was a principal one day who like came up to a kid and was trying to be affirming and like, so like, are you going to like go through all the stuff? And the kid was like, are you asking me what my, what my plan for my body and my genitalia is? Are you doing that in the middle of the hallway right now? Wow. And the principal was like, oh God, that is definitely what I was doing. And that's super inappropriate. And like they owned it, which was great, but like, that kid was like, I don't need to talk to you about my junk, dude. That's so gross. But people think it's like they like they lose they lose their filters and like their understanding of what's okay and not okay. Yeah. Um, but that's what I think. I think that if we can talk about in general concepts, but then we would talk about our own bodies only with the people that we are talking about our bodies with. And like once it gets specific, it's to a person, then it's private. Yeah. My body is not your business. Yeah. I have a body. It's great. I love it. And I get to do whatever I want with it. And you don't get to talk about it ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Well, Catherine, I really, 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 I'm, I'm going to, like, we've been talking for over an hour, and I have this really big problem of where I'd like to talk to people for hours on end. And, <laughs> and truly, I really appreciate you sharing your story um, and sharing about your family. Like, you know, because you were in the community, and I said, like, people just don't want to talk about their girls. Um, and, like, that is so sad to me and so hard like but I, I get it also like that you re- you recognize the fear around having a trans kid and and being in a public space and um but I just think it's so helpful and powerful for parents to hear from other parents um about what their experience has been like more than anything uh, like the podcast is full of like informational episodes too but it's the parent stories that really like where it's at yeah well thank you i um people talk a lot about um representation you know representation matters and um very very soon before came out to us i mean probably two weeks before she and i went shopping at an outdoor mall and it was the first time in a very long time that we had been out doing something that very much involved the public you know mm-hmm and we went to um, Madewell, and um, there was this person there who I'm not sure how they identify, but, you know, this person who, um, you know, had makeup and cute hairstyle and a skirt. But then when they started talking, you could t- hear that they had a male, vi- a male voice. A deeper voice. Mm-hmm. And um, my child turned towards me and she said, um, Mommy. I thought that person was a girl and it turns out that it's a boy. And, and I said, when I replay this, I'm like, Oh gosh. But I said, we do not talk about people's, you know, like appearance or something, you know, in front of them. And I kind of shut it down and I like have so much guilt and sadness about that. I did follow up later. She and I were eating at Shake Shack and I said, Hey, I just wanted to circle back, you know, and talk about that person that we saw. I just wanted to tell you that this is why we don't gender people. This is why we use they, them pronouns. And when we see someone, don't just automatically assume, you know, we're not sure what that person is going through. But anyway, <laughs> two weeks later, really nailed it down and was like, I am a girl. And I realized that she saw something in herself in that person and she hadn't seen that before you know she's five years old her tv situation is very limited we live in a society you don't really see that right and so seeing that i think kind of affirms something for her i like i wouldn't even say awaken something in her because i think it was already very much awake but it affirmed something like oh okay i see myself in that person and these are the possibilities for me and so you know like you were saying it's just so important to be able to hear these stories and to have that community in that and then when she we went to um pride festival and it was a tiny town as a small town pride festival it wasn't the big city one it's very cute and very small and all the you know we're just all out there with the flags and it's just adorable it was very adorable and when we left i said and again this is you know kind of soon after the pandemic so we hadn't been out much and when we left i said 
hey, how did, you know, like, you know, that was the best day ever, right? How was it seeing um, other transgender folks? And she goes, you know what? Yeah, I think everybody there was transgender. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah. And then I told that there's a little shop up here, a little cafe that's um, trans owned. And I told the owner that. And he goes, you know what? I guess if you're going to misgender folks, you might as well just assume that everybody's (laughs) transgender. (laughs) I love that. That's so great. So good. Like, yeah. And then, sorry, now I'm just on braggadocious alert. But um, I'll tell you one more. Adorable. So she has this best friend. They've been best friends for a very, very long time since they were little. But because of the pandemic, we just didn't see them that often. Yeah. So... Um, we were, this is a year after she's been living as a girl and we took this little kiddo out to lunch and we're sitting there and they're chatting, but he kept using he, him pronouns. And then my kiddo stopped and said, um, why do you keep using he, him pronouns? You know, I'm a girl. And her friend said, well, you know, I mean, cause you, you know, they're six years old. You used to be a boy, but now you're a girl. And sometimes it's just very confusing for me. And I try, but sometimes it's just very confusing. And my kid said, it's called transgender. Get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> I just so badly, I want to make t-shirts that say that it's called transgender. Get used to it. <laughs> I will make them. I will make them. I swear to God. And then we'll sell them on the Wild Heart Society website. We could make it a thing. It's called transgender. Get used to it. Freaking awesome. Quoted six-year-old. Yeah, six-year-old. Come on. I'm, I seriously, I'm going to make t-shirts. We're going to make t-shirts of that. And you're going to be able to have one. And it's going to be wonderful. Oh, man. I mean, like I said, you know, just living with love not with fear because it's just when i hear stuff like that i think it gives me hope for the future i mean listening to young people now it's like they've got it going on and this is if we're if we can stay on this trajectory it'll be all good all right well thank you i've seriously so much thank you so much thank you thank you this was everything and i just so appreciate you and all the work you do i hope hearing Catherine's story made you feel less alone as you navigate your family's transition journey after the interview she sent me a note that she wanted me to add one of the questions you sent me ahead of time was what i love most about my family And what comes to mind is that we are a family of passion, and even though we are loud and sometimes fight a lot, we also fight for each other. Perhaps, quote-unquote, fighting might not be relatable to others, but when I had my first kiddo at 18, I literally, physically and mentally and emotionally had to fight for her, had to fight to keep her. My folks didn't feel like I was fit to raise her, and I went through a two-year battle with them and with the state to keep her in my care. It took me 20 years of fighting that trauma and being a super high-functioning overachiever with a giant chip on my shoulder, trying to prove to the world that I was fit to be a parent before I finally had a breakdown of sorts in 2019 and started trauma therapy. When Michael came into our lives, she was 11. He stepped into the father-slash-protector role so wholeheartedly 
being her best friend and eventually her true adoptive father. For me, as a feminist, I'd never really thought that I needed anyone to fight for me. But now, so many years in, I realize that I did, and I do. And somehow, Michael became that for me, and his love and shelter enabled a path towards healing. So with my youngest child being in our lives as the ultimate surprise gift after seven years of fertility issues, and several years after, I was surprised again to find this newfound solidarity as a family to have to fight for her safety and for her rights, and to fight to keep her feeling secure, supported, and loved in this community that she found herself in, even unbeknownst to her, at this early age of life. I'm not sure why I didn't go into this depth with you during the interview, but with what we went through with my family threatening her safety, I had a few months of reverting back to feeling helpless and so frightened of all of the possibilities. But what got me through this time around was being surrounded by so much mutual love and respect and community. So I guess one big takeaway for me with these two separate parenting experiences is that I am open to sharing this because I know my story is not unique, but that if I could share in solidarity with someone who can relate, then I'm thankful to do so. And I want to keep shouting from the rooftops, find your people. Find the people who will love and support you and your family. Find the people who will love and support you and your family, because that is what makes all the difference. I just want to say thanks to Catherine for sharing her story with us and for being such a fighter for her kid and for her family. And thanks to you all for listening. Please remember that all of us here at Camp Wildheart, listeners and counselors, are here to support you. So don't be a stranger. Today's interview was the result of a request from listeners for more parent stories. And I'm happy to give those whenever I can. I particularly was on the hunt for a girl, and Catherine volunteered. I'm so grateful for you for asking these questions and for asking for what you need. If you have any other questions or comments, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're on Facebook as Wild Heart Society, as well as our private group, Camp Wild Heart Community. We're on Instagram as at wild.heart.society, and you can find me on TikTok as at realgendertherapist. Or you can email directly to camp at wildheartsociety.org, and I will answer those emails. Also, if you're looking for someone to work with your family, Wild Heart Society offers a wide range of services from individual and group therapy to community events and gender family transition coaching. We would love to hear from you and continue this conversation. Thanks again for showing up here and for your kids. Be sure to subscribe for free to the podcast so you don't miss future campfires. And give us a rating. Rating the podcast helps other people find us, and we want to make sure that everyone who needs one knows that there's a bunk for them at Camp Wildheart. Heart.